Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 484 with Dean Carroll. Dean has got some great stuff to say about mastering the basics, and it might seem boring like exercise and broccoli, but I think it's so powerful and so overlooked. So I hope you'll join us to learn, one, how B students can achieve more in their careers, two, how to survive and thrive in office politics, and three, the secret to building unshakable confidence. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F484. Now, here's Dean's story. Dean Carroll is a career and executive coach. He is the instructor of 12 courses with over 600,000 views available on LinkedIn Learning and has also been in senior leadership positions for more than three decades with major global publishing companies, including 22 years at Wiley. Carroll has hired and trained thousands of people at various stages of their careers, motivating them to maximize their abilities. Thanks to Dean for spending some good time with us and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Dean. Dean, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Pete, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to join you. And, and you're getting close to 500 of these podcasts. That's really impressive. Oh, shucks. Yeah, it is. It is coming up. And I've got something special I'm thinking about for number 500. I hope it comes together. I was wondering <laughs> if you were going to do some special event. That'll be very exciting. So you've got uh, certainly have a lot of us listening uh, when number 500 comes up. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, there's so much good stuff to talk about. And I want to first uh, hear your tale. I understand you have entertained dreams of being a stand-up comedian. And your name is pronounced Carol, not Carell. Carol, that's correct. So I got to hear, do you have one or two great jokes you think uh, could be stage ready? <laughs> well, I got a number of jokes that could be stage ready. Unfortunately, I don't know if they'd be good for the podcast, but it's funny. Over the course of my career, people have said to me, Dean, you, know, you tell great stories, you tell great jokes, you should be a stand-up comedian. Well, the funny thing is, it's like if you're in front of an audience of colleagues and friends and you're making fun of yourself or you're making fun of senior leadership of the company, of course, everybody's going to laugh and they're going to enjoy it. The trick is, how do you do that in front of an audience that doesn't know you? And uh, so early on, when I first graduated from college, I actually went to a couple of open mic nights. I'm living in upstate New York, Rochester, New York, and I go to the, you know, the Holiday Inn, you know, Chuckles Club or something you know, on, a, on a Friday night open mic night. And and I think the crickets are still chirping. It is really tough. And it's, a, uh, it's interesting. I talk about in my career about confidence and how important it is to have confidence. Well, that shattered my confidence 
trying to tell jokes and be a stand-up comedian. It is something that these people, I give a lot of credit because you're, talk about being vulnerable mm-hmm. and being out there and you're standing on a stage. And uh, so I quickly learned that uh, stand-up comedy was not going to be my profession. Understood. But it's amazing. They make it look so easy, the great oh, comedians. Yeah, but, yeah. The, you know, behind the scenes, you know, they there are many, many jokes that have died after testing. And you're only seeing the greatest hits by the time the Netflix special comes out. Well, it's interesting. I talk about in business the importance of planning and preparation. And what's interesting, if you go back to stand-up comedy, you know, we, we see Seinfeld or you see your favorite comedian or you see the the comedian who appears at the comedy club in Chicago or New York or L.A., you know, they just don't get up there and, and start telling jokes. They've gone through weeks and months of planning and prepping and, and honing their skills. So there's a correlation of that to business, how important it is, is to be ready. And it's also knowing your audience. I mean, it's a, you asked me for a couple of jokes right now. Well, it's not appropriate <laughs> with the joke right now for this audience. I mean, there's a whole correlation to all of these things from, from comedy to actually to the business world of planning and preparation and also knowing your audience. Well, so I want to dig into a lot of the expertise and, and tidbits along these lines in terms of knowing your audience and doing the preparation. And so you've done uh, many courses and, and many years of coaching. Uh, I'd love to start with maybe what's perhaps the most surprising and fascinating discovery you've made when it comes to professionals at work. Like over and over again, you see this. I think over and over again, we try to impress or we get intimidated by people with lofty titles or advanced degrees, and we try to be people that we're really not. And I, I use an example of when I, when I first got into business, I was really impressed with some of the colleagues that I work with. I thought they were smarter. I thought they could do things better than me. And I got really intimidated by that. And I find myself you know, trying to do things that uh, really weren't uh, myself. And, and you see in business where people say, well, I need to have an MBA in this, or they get impressed by somebody who's a senior vice president of marketing or of sales or the CFO or CEO. And you need to step back and realize you have to be yourself. And how do you enhance your own skills? And and sometimes we get intimidated and sometimes it comes back to uh, confidence. But the most important thing is be yourself and enhance your own skills and make yourself better. And that's how you advance your career and find new opportunities. And so we say be yourself. Could you share an example of the opposite of that? Like, this is, it's a mistake to try to do this when that's not you. Well, I remember going to meetings when I first got into business, and I'd be intimidated by seeing somebody that maybe had a lofty title and somebody with an advanced degree. So I would speak up in meetings because I thought that would be an impressive thing to show other people that I could hold my legs and hold my stance in front of a large group of people. And I would talk about things and and I would go down a road that uh, really didn't need to be done. Or I would extol achievements that I had made in in the sales uh, field and and trying to impress others. And I quickly came to realize, you know, that's just not being myself. (laughs) I was trying to please others. And at the same time, what I was doing was not really being authentic. I wasn't being genuine or real. I was just trying to uh, prove myself to other people. And that never works. There's a light bulb that goes off in everybody's career when they realize, you know what, I just need to be myself. 
not everybody is meant to be the CEO. Not everybody's going to be the chief marketing officer or the best sales professional. So how do you separate yourself and how do you enhance your own abilities? And that's the light bulb that comes off in some people's career early on and some people it never, <laughs> it never goes on. But it's, uh, you have to realize that uh, where do you fit in business and how do you maximize your abilities to be successful? And when you're doing those things, trying to prove that you're smart, you know, it's just unattractive for everyone around. It's like, okay, Dean, you're wasting mm-hmm. our time. Okay. You know, we already know that you're fine, which is why you right. have this job. And, you yes. Know, and yes, we already know those accomplishments. Thank you for reminding us. And can we get on to the topic at hand, please? Well, we all know those people. We go into a meeting and somebody will say, well, you know, I'm the senior vice president of X, Y, and Z. Or there's always that one person in every company who is the first person to talk in every meeting. They're the know-it-all. And behind the scenes, we're all saying, oh, I wish that person just be quiet. And they develop a reputation of being the know-it-all. And that's mm-hmm. never the right approach. And again, every company has them. And they'll say, well, you know what? You know, During my years at XYZ Business School, uh, I learned the following techniques. Well, we don't care. At Harvard. <laughs> right? But every company has these people. And sometimes we can get caught in the trap of thinking, well, maybe that's the route we should take. And I came to realize, and it's the wake-up call saying, that's not the approach you need to do. You need to be yourself and enhance the abilities that you have and not worry about anybody else. And so one of your tenants there, I'd say within that realm, is that it's really key to master right. the basics. And, and that sounds wise. Mm-hmm. Sure, we should master the basics. But can you tell us, what do you mean by that? And, and sort of like, what's the alternative route that is uh, a poor choice? So we all get caught up, let's say, with uh, learning advanced techniques in marketing or social media analysis and organizational development, mergers and acquisitions, and that we forget about. And I think it's learning and going back to mastering social skills, people skills, soft skills. How do you handle yourself in a meeting? How do you handle public speaking? How do you work with a micromanager? The basics of business are lessons that they don't teach at a business school. Oftentimes, we learn these from hopefully our first sales manager, our first manager in whatever business that we happen to be in. They'll help coach us and train us. But a lot of times, this happens through osmosis. (laughs) You know, we'll go to a meeting and we realize, you know what? I shouldn't be using my cell phone. I shouldn't be texting. Or we'll read about stories about that, but no one's actually ever trained us in not to do these things. So over the course of my career, you know, I'd always have my, I, the people I worked with called them deanisms. And I put together a list of about 200 different topics. And, you know, I wrote about a page, page and a half on each, just covering everything from meeting conduct to how to work with your managers, how to work with colleagues. Well, you all talk about being authentic or being vulnerable in words like that. But what does that really mean? So I went through all of these and I I wrote this simple subjects of basic skills and how that can help you be successful in business. And I think that's, that's so wise. And and I think I remember in in sort of my earliest career moments, you know, just like these simple things like, okay, if you have a spreadsheet and there's a column for a category, try to make those categories a sort of a, a simple set 
of, I don't know, five to 20 or, or whatever, as opposed to your own invention for each category. Otherwise, it won't make any sense later on when you try to filter right. a pivot table or whatnot. That's not useful. Or when you attach a file to an email, double-click that file to ensure that it is the correct version of the file and not a prior version of the file. And then I had a great mentor who was managing me in, in a meeting, and he saw that uh, a partner was doing this as he was sending something out to the client. And he said, see, Pete, even partners do that. And it's, it's so true. It's like, those are the things that can, can embarrass you or can really distinguish you. I'd say, particularly in the early phases of a career in terms of like, like, okay, this person just gets it. I don't have to explain all of them. And that just sort of builds sort of trust and uh, credibility and and all kinds of good things. Some people do just get it and they understand that they're quick and they they figure it all out. And you touched on something with Excel, which ironically is, is a, one of the topics in the book that I wrote is that I'll have people come up to me and they'll say, you know, I'm awful with math and I can't do Excel. Well, you have to learn the basics of Excel or any spreadsheet package, whether it's Google mm-hmm, Sheets Google or Excel, Sheets. whatever spreadsheet package. You have to be able to put together a basic P&L. You have to be able to work your way through a basic P&L because that also holds true for our personal lives, too. How are you managing your own budgets at home? You have to learn basic math skills. But again, that's taught as a major course, you know, analysis and spreadsheet analysis and and then what ifs and so forth. But for the average person, let's say like me, the B student, did I ever have the course in saying how you use Excel for basic work and business and the importance of it? And I think it's essential. I don't saying you need to be the CFO or an accountant, but you need to be able to navigate your way through Excel a basic P&L and a spreadsheet and a balance sheet. Okay. Well, so that's one basic. And and you mentioned, okay, you've, you've outlined about 200 of these. I'd love it if you could zero in on perhaps the most leveraged uh, two to five-ish of these basics. And, and my criteria... I'm getting real choosy with you, are that they're one, uh, often overlooked, like you you might be surprised at how often people just sort of don't do this. Uh, Two, it makes all the difference in the world in terms of you do it or you don't do it and and the impact of of folks on it. And and three, it's a lot of bang for your buck, you know, in terms of, hey, it only takes a couple minutes and it makes a world of difference. Well, how about I start off with a story? I'm a firm believer in knowing your audience. And I think that's so important no matter what job you have and what business you're in. And I learned this from my very first manager. And it's he would talk to me and say about the importance of knowing the customer, learning a little bit more about them before you meet them. So my first sales manager, he was a religious person. He never pushed this on any of us who reported to him, but we all knew he was a religious person and he would always write personal notes. This is uh, the early days of email, before email. He'd send a personal note saying how we were doing and how we could continue to prove. He was always big on that. And that first Christmas when I was working for him, I was sending out cards to all of my friends and and I included one for him. And I had one that was a, a cartoon of Ziggy and a bear on a pair of skis. And when you open the card up, I wrote, Happy Holidays, Dino. And I mailed it off to my manager named Gary. And literally two days later, I get a Christmas card from him. And he wrote a personal note. He talked about the blessings of the holiday season. And I, as soon as I got it, I said, you know what? I forgot. You know, he's he always writes personal notes. And I didn't. I, maybe I should have sent him a religious card or whatever. And when I saw him two weeks later, he, he said to me, hey, by the way, way to know your audience. 
And he laughed, and I and I apologized, saying, "Gary, I'm sorry, I didn't send you a, you know, religious card." And he and he smiled. He said, "I wasn't looking for a religious card. That, I know I never talk about religion with anybody, but the fact is, you just did a with this in this day and age would be like an e card, you know, e Christmas card, and you you was a toss aside. Happy holidays, Dino. So fast forward a year later, it's a holiday season. I got a Christmas card from him that's religious in nature again. And then he had to kept the same card I had sent to him. And he said, thinking of you, Gary. And it was mm. his subtle coaching way of saying to remember, always know your audience. And what's funny now is we've exchanged that card for over 30 years, back and forth with the same line. And, you know, happy holidays, Dino. And he writes down, you know, thinking of you, Gary. And so the message there was great coaching. He didn't go right in my face and say, Dean, what are you doing here? You know, And it's just something that's just a nice lesson that through the years we've gone through. So knowing your audience also then ties in with, Pete, you know, today I, I've spent some time, I obviously I've heard your podcast before, but I want to hear the ones you've just done recently. So I get a feeling of your style. You've got a great sense of humor. You always ask great detailed questions that dig in deeper. So it's like knowing the audience and knowing who you are, getting a feel for you before you and I are chatting today. So to me, that's a critical lesson. Is that a course at a business school? Is that a course at a community college? No, it's this is something that I think are basic skills lessons. And there, it's, it's just a matter of kind of just asking yourself a couple of key questions in terms of, yes. okay, you know, what are they, what are they into? What might they appreciate? Right. What's something that's unique to them? Right. And and that's good. And you think, you talk about humor and happy holidays. I'm thinking about, I believe this is an episode of 30 Rock, where <laughs> so they made a card. It said, the front said, happy holidays. And then you opened it up and it said, is what terrorists say. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it's yeah. outrageous. And, uh, so that's what I'm thinking about when you blend stand-up comedy and um, uh, knowing your audience and cards. So, well, it ties in maybe a little bit also about you and I meeting for the first time today through this podcast. It's you asked me how do I pronounce my name. And I would bet you over your course of your lifetime, Pete, uh, your name's been pronounced uh, more than a few times. <laughs> and I call that a basic skill of I make sure that, you know, on LinkedIn, you phonetically spell it. It's like it's very simple, but it's to me, that's a sign of respect of saying you asked me how to pronounce my name. I take the time to learn your name. Basic skill. When your name is mispronounced. And you talk, let's say, in a business setting, if I'm seeing a new customer or a new client or whatever, you mispronounce their name, immediately you get off on the wrong foot, right? That's true. That's true. I was in a training once and, and someone said, oh, Pete Macchiatis, I just love that name. It reminds me of a macchiato. I was like, <laughs> oh, baby, well, it's completely right? wrong, yeah, but I'm yeah. not going to take that from you if you're getting such delight. Yeah, well, from, then you, then you <laughs> from... take it to the next step. How often has it been misspelled? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Plenty. You know, my name has always got, people usually misspell it with two L's. And I let people get away with it for once, twice, maybe three times. And after the third time, it's like, hey, wait a minute now. And, and it's... Uh, so again, a basic skill of respect. It also ties in remembering people's names. We always see people say that, uh, oh, I'm awful with names. 
Well, we all struggle with names sometimes. We can't remember, you know, everybody we meet. But how many times have you met somebody, Pete, they'll, you've met them three times, and then they'll say to you, hey, it's nice to meet you. It's like, mm-hmm. well, where have you been? <laughs> you know, I've met you three times already, and you still don't know my name, or you still don't even remember that you met me. And again, basic skill, but it carries so much weight. And I think, is it make or break for business success? No, but compiled and put together with all the basic skills, I think it can separate you from other people. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we talked about knowing your audience and knowing names and pronunciations. So what are a couple other big ones? How about first impressions? You know, we all say we shouldn't make judgments off of first impressions, but it is critically important in this day and age, whether it's through an email, whether it's through a phone call, uh, whether it's through a first time meeting with somebody. And my story that I have in the book that I love telling is, is this one where uh, there was a day that uh, I wasn't going to be seeing clients. I wasn't going to be meeting with customers. And I dressed casually to work, which for me is khaki pants and, a, and a, a more toned down dress shirt. And I'm going to the coffee shop across the street. And there's a gentleman, two people in front of me. And this is a coffee shop I go to every day. They've had a great staff, lovely people who work there. And all of a sudden, they, they got a little bit behind. They got a little slow. And this guy, two people in front of me, started to get in the face of the woman who was making the coffee. And there was a point where I just said, hey, buddy, you know, take a break. She's doing the best she can. (laughs) And I said it really politely. Well, this guy turned around and looked at me like I was, you know, who am I? And he had a few choice words for me. And at 7.30 in the morning, I wasn't about to start getting in an argument, but I just finally just said, hey, take it easy, William. So fast forward two or three hours later, a sales manager I'm working with comes to my office and he says, "Uh, Dean, I'm interviewing candidates for an opening position, for a new opening position. I know you weren't planning to see somebody today, but do you mind uh, spending a few moments with this person? Well, you know where this is headed. You know, the, about two seconds later, the guy from the coffee shop walks in and he looks at me and I just said to him, hey, how was your coffee? Mm-hmm. Well, he went white. And again, it's a first impression. He was a good salesperson, a good person. But you learn a lot about somebody and how they act when no one's looking. And to me, that's something if he treats people like that in a coffee shop, this poor person who's working so hard. You know, how is he going to treat a customer? How is he going to treat clients if that is his style when he thinks nobody around from that company is going to see him? And we ended up hiring somebody else, and that wasn't the deciding overall deciding factor you know, was that person's attitude, but because we found somebody who was really superior in their all of their skills. But that did was a memory for me of just how this person acted. And uh, so it's a nice story and a good re- a reminder that all first impressions do make a difference. And that kind of gets me thinking about uh, gossip in, in the mm. office. And, and uh, I don't know how Stephen Covey said it in terms of like honoring those who are not present, something like that. Yeah. It's like, boy, if you're if you're saying these things to me about that person, yeah, you're probably saying some things about me to others. Yes. And that just kind of doesn't feel so great. I, have, I talk about gossip. I think that's one of the great uh, destroyers of corporate culture, <laughs> and it gets people all wound up. And it's part of human nature. We like talking about things, and you can't eliminate it completely. But 90% of the time, what gossip does is ended up getting people more stressed out. And it's not senior management that gets stressed out. It's the rank and file. It's the support teams. It's the assistants. It's the entry-level people who they hear gossip. They'll hear that somebody's been laid 
get off or fired, and the gossip and the rumor starts. And before you know it, you've got a whole organization that's tied up in a knot. And I, gossip to me is a destroyer. And I say, unless you hear it from the CEO or corporate communications, what you're hearing is speculation and gossip and turn it off and don't listen to it. And it's a, uh, I think, again, that's one of the lessons in the book. You know, I very recently heard a real nice turn of phrase. I don't know where it came from. And it was just a talk to people, not about people. Right. And I thought that is a nice encapsulation of, of it. And the thing is, talking to people takes some more courage <laughs> yes. and humility than just shooting your mouth off uh, for for uh, stress relief or whatever. Right. Tied in with gossip is also using the BCC on your email. <laughs> and once it's out there, it's out there. And whether it's blind carboned or, or confidential is another one. I think confidentiality is, again, once one person knows, two people are going to know, and it's not confidential anymore. And I've had a few experiences in my career where I learned my lesson about that. And you'll find out about confidentiality is lasts about 10 minutes, and then it spreads like wildfire. So if you don't want somebody to know about it, if you said something bad about somebody, then don't say it. <laughs> or... Mm -hmm see them face-to-face -face and can talk about it and discuss the issue. Don't put it in writing. Don't spread it around. And that all of that does is it cause ill will and it's not good for you uh, or that other person. Sure thing. While we're on this kind of a topic, a number of your basics fall into the category of, of office politics. Mm -hmm. How should we think about that? And for those who say, oh, I hate politics, like, how do we survive and thrive in that environment? Well, we all hate politics, all of that. I mean, it's, it's part of an organization and it's part of a, all of the company's culture. And a lot of that starts at the very top. And if you've got a, a good CEO, you've got good leadership, good companies, politics are usually nipped in the bud. You know, Jeff Bezos doesn't put up with that at Amazon. And Jeff Weiner at LinkedIn has got a great culture at, in that organization. There's no, every company has politics, but it's nipped in the bud. Where you see things going sideways or where management is not involved, or in their, if they're in their lofty towers and they're not visible, they're not being seen. And, uh, you know, I've come full circle on this through my career. And you know, I first started, you know, I thought, oh, my gosh, the CEOs were the best. They're at the top. Well, they're lousy CEOs and they're really good CEOs, just like there are good managers and there are lousy managers. And it's a, uh, again, early on, I thought, well, you know what? I can adapt and I can change. And uh, people who put up with office politics managers who are micromanagers, they're not going to change. So that's where you have, again, have to look out for your own interest and find that next opportunity. It's a, uh, a lot of people are put in high positions, lofty positions, and they've never been trained of what to do in those positions. Now, people are managers, but that's a big step in becoming a leader. And leaders don't put up with politics. They don't put up with gossip. It's focus on the customer, <laughs> focus on success, profitability, and so on. And I think some people have got it and others don't. And, and we say don't put up with politics. What are some things in particular that encompasses yeah. uh, specific behaviors to avoid? It's communication. And if you have a problem with somebody or something is going on, don't send emails. Don't wait for next month's town hall meeting, you know, do it today. Get the group of people together today. Or if you're hearing about something that's going on in the organization, if you're a leader within the company, or if you're a department head, don't sit on it. 
address it. Too often now we wait for, well, you know, we have a department meeting on Friday and we'll discuss it. Or we've got a the buzzword now, you know, let's have a town hall meeting next month on the 15th. If things need to be addressed, whether it's politics, rumors, gossip, where we're going as a company, don't wait. Do it today. And I think the best leaders address those things uh, and nip them in the bud. And that's how you become successful. All right. Well, any other you know, critical basics that make a world of difference? Well, again, going back to knowing your audience, the people I've worked with have heard this mantra. And then when they hear this podcast, they're going to hear it again. It's like it's planning and preparation. And that's one of my primary messages throughout my career. Again, I was a B student. And I got to be a B student because of extra credit. <laughs> and I used to take the time to plan and be ready. And whether it was a, a test to take, a course to do, and in business, in seeing a new customer or seeing a new client, I always made sure I was ready to go. I use the analogy of you don't start cooking and getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner uh, the night before, right? <laughs> You're going to have a problem. And you'll hear people say, you know, I'm seeing a customer, I'm seeing a client, and it's 24 hours before they're going to go. You can't do that. You have to be planned. You have to, the Thanksgiving dinner, you got to defrost the turkey five days early. You got to know what other people are going to want to eat. You have to get all of the side courses ready. So, Pete, do you think I sat down for this podcast at four o'clock or three o'clock or whenever and said, oh, here we go? No. <laughs> I wanted to learn a little bit more about you. Again, as I said, learn and listen to some of your other podcasts. That is not rocket science, but planning and preparation is something that people just take for granted sometimes. And I think it's one of the basics that has helped me become more successful than maybe I could have been in my career. I mean, it's helped me move to the next level of taking that time to know customers, know people, do the research. If I'm going to visit a, um, a publicly traded company, spend time on their website to learn about their financials, uh, spend time to look for presentations they've made, press releases, all of these can help you and give you a competitive advantage and just make you more prepared. Also, that ties in with helping you be more confident. And if you're prepared, you're ready, you've, you've taken the time to know everything you can. So it just builds your confidence, which I think is one of the other critical aspects of the basics is confidence. And so do you have a checklist there that you sort of know, okay, preparation complete? I guess my own process is I imagine kind of what might they ask me and am I ready to answer that? Yeah, and, and what would I most not want them to ask me because it's tricky or difficult or embarrassing or I don't think I've got a right. great answer for it? And, and how will I handle that? And so then once I feel good in the sense of, okay, I think that no matter what kind of thing they throw at me, I, I've got a, a decent response. That's when I feel prepared. But do you have a particular you know, set of issues or, or research activities you'd like to make sure you do each time? I think you nailed us just there. If you think they're going to ask, you hope they don't ask the embarrassing question, they're going to ask the embarrassing question. You know, <laughs> and, if, and if there's a, something going on with your company or something with your product or service offering, you, they're going to answer that question. You have to be prepared for handling objections. Ironically, that's one of my courses on at LinkedIn Learning is, is handling objections. And if you're ready, you know you're going to get questions about whether it's your price or your product or your service. If you're surprised about questions that are being asked by your customer or your client, then you haven't done your proper planning and preparation. And uh, so that's the checklist is knowing what questions you're going to be hit with, which are the objections. 
and having your checklist ready with the key features and elements, whether it's yourself, whether it's your business, and having those, the top three things that you want to be able to get out, not the top 10. What are the key critical things that I want to make sure Pete knows about me through this podcast? And that's not that difficult to do, but not everybody does it. And uh, again, that goes to uh, (laughs) being prepared. And being ready. And so you mentioned confidence is key. And, and one of the means by which you acquire that is by doing the, the proper preparation. Yes. What are some other components to have that confidence? So to build your confidence is it does take time. And if anybody says they're always confident all of the time, they're lying. We all go through things through the course of our career, and it's like a roller coaster. And I think people need to hear that. I mean, I've been around for a long time, and I've been in business a long time. And when, when I say to people, you know, I still have my confidence, <laughs> and or I get nervous sometimes. Hey, Pete, I was right. I was a little nervous getting ready for you today. I'm intimidating. That's showing the, the <laughs> vulnerable side, the authentic side of me. But it also shows that I'm ready, so I can be confident as we begin to speak. And I think that's so important in knowing and realizing in the course of our careers, we're going to have moments where our confidence is rocked. And the trick is, how do you overcome that? And then it goes back to you know, building on your strengths and, and working in areas that where you know you can have some successes. But if you think over the course of my three plus decades in being in business, I've always been, hey, I'm Dean Carroll, let's rock and roll. Oh, that's, that's a lot of baloney. I've had moments <laughs> where I'm like, you know, what's next? I mentioned I do these courses with LinkedIn Learning. And Pete, I've spoken my whole life. I speak in front of audiences all the time and sales meetings through the years, you know, 500 people, 300 people, whatever. I'm out at LinkedIn's studios out in California and I'm ready, ready to tape a course. And all of a sudden my knees start shaking and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I I know how to do this. But my confidence was a little unsure because it was a new step for me, something new to me. And The trick, though, is then being able to overcome that and realizing, you know what, I have done this before. I have been successful at this before. And I said, I took a deep breath, did a little spin around the block, so to speak, in the studio, and then we're ready to roll. But I think people need to hear, if you're new to business, or even if you've been in business for 10 years, 15 years, you're going to have moments where your confidence is rocked. And the trick is how to overcome it, and you go back to your strengths, which again, for me, are the basics planning and preparation, working with people, understanding people, and so forth. And that, again, all then ties back to, to some degree, just my philosophy of business. And it starts off with you know being good to people. And people say, well, that, is that a business skill? I can't tell you, Pete, how many people come up to me and I feel it's a good feeling. Say, Dean, you're so nice. You're nice to people. Well, how hard is that? But it differentiates me with, from a lot of people. You know, I say hello. Well, is that a business skill? How many times have you walked down the hallway, Pete, and somebody looks at you and they just grunt or they don't look at you at all? Does that happen? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So people say, well, Dean, you always say hello. Wow. There's an MBA course. Dean says hello. You know what I mean? But that's part of my philosophy. It's if you're a B student, you got to work hard. And that's one of my messages often. It's, it's work ethic. So it's, we all, I sound like, you know, everybody's grandfather here, but uh, it's, you have to have a good work ethic. And to me, that's a basic skill. It's integrity character, reputation, credibility. I mean, these are, to me, are cornerstones of being successful in business that they don't teach at any school. Well, Dean, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. Well, the last message is it's like you always have to know your priorities. 
and what really matters. You know, at the end of the day, our families have to come first. So we all talk about, you know, we want to be the most successful business person. I want the corner office or I want to make more money. But at the end of the day, it's knowing your priorities, what really matters in life. And I think family comes first. I worked my tail off throughout my career. But at the end of the day, I'm proud that I didn't miss some of my son's events. I didn't miss my daughter's basketball games. And I think that's a message that we all talk about. But I think we all need to follow and follow even better. All right. Well, now, could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Well, it ties in with business. So and the quote side of it is that the true test of a person's character is what he does when no one is watching. And mm-hmm. I think it ties in with my basics, you know, being good to people and being who you want to be. Can you look at yourself in the mirror and be happy with what you're seeing? So John Wooden actually has that quote, which I don't like using sports people for quotes, but it is such a good one. The true test of an individual's character is what they do when no one is watching. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? I'm a big believer in, you know, I wish I had taken more psychology classes in in college and afterwards, and I've done that later on. And I'm a believer in emotional intelligence. So Daniel LaGolman's studies on emotional intelligence, there's other great studies, Travis Bradbury's EQ 2.0. I think how we follow human nature, human behavior, I think that's so, those are all valuable skills for all of us to learn in business. And I think those are studies that I really enjoy. And that favorite book? Two of them. One is, um, and this might surprise you, being coming back from the sales industry, but it goes back to when I was a kid. I read Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller, and just the, the trauma that this individual went through, the struggles that he went through. it. And I actually wrote to Arthur Miller, and it goes back to being good to people. Arthur Miller wrote me back, <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. a high school kid. And you know, so that book has an, an impact on me in my life. And there's a business book that I recommend to everybody, and I think it's essential reading. It's if The Five Dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni. And it's a uh, 200 pages, inexpensive book. It's worth everybody's time to read it. I think it's a, it's a really valuable book of how you work in an organization, work with teams, and how you get things done. And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? I love my iPad. <laughs> I love my iPhone. I don't use them 24 hours a day, but it keeps me organized. It keeps me on top of things. And I, I use them for all of my all of my chores. Going back to your Excel question, I, I live on Excel too. I keep everything organized. I'm an organized freak. I drive people nuts with that I used to work with because I'm really organized. Because if I don't stay organized, I find myself getting going crazy. So this keeps me focused is when I have my all of my tasks, my to-do list. You've had a number of people on your podcast talk about being organized and having things in journals and notes. And well, I agree with that. So those tools that everything that that I can use that can help me stay focused, I think is uh, valuable for me. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They, they quote it back to you often? Well, everybody always says to me, Dean, you always talk about planning and preparation. I also talk about you have to believe in yourself. Because again, I have had moments where I'm like, what's this all about? And what am I doing? And we all go through that at various stages of our life, in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. So my nugget is you got to believe in yourself. And not every day is going to be perfect. And on my work now as a coach with people, I see roller coasters that people are on. And it's like, oh, man, there's a fine line, as, as you know, Pete, between coaching and being a psychologist. And I have to put the barrier up sometimes. And you see people that are really going through some struggles in their business careers. And I always go back and believe, you have to believe in yourself and go back to the things that work for you, which ties into, you know, mastering the basics. And then the other nugget, 
that everybody I've ever trained and worked with is family comes first. And I've already mentioned that. It's so true. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Well, I have a website, you know, the skyridgegroup.com. But frankly, what I'm on every day and I post a couple of times a week is on LinkedIn. I urge people to follow me. I post videos that are a minute to two minutes long. I had one yesterday about the importance that we have to have of following up with people who are looking for jobs or people who write to you and say, I need help looking for jobs. And sometimes we duck those calls and sometimes we don't respond to those emails. So on LinkedIn, I have posts and videos are up all the time. So I would actually direct folks, follow me there. I think you'll like what I have to talk about. And you have a final challenge, a call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Well, it sounds like a catchphrase, but it, you know, you always have to be learning. Uh, I went back to college at a later stage in my career four years ago, and it was the best thing I ever did. I went back to New York University, NYU. I took courses in human resources management, two exceptional professors, and I worked. I was people there half my age. So always be learning. Always look for new opportunities. You don't have to take the, the MBA course. Take any course. Read. You got to read books. You got to take a seminar. Listen to these podcasts. You're going to pick. If you pick up two tidbits, three pieces of information, what a great investment of your time. And that my challenge is to everybody, never stop, whether you're 20, 40, 60, or 80. It's always going to pay you dividends. Dean, thanks for this. I wish you all the luck with your mastering of basics and your many other adventures. Well, Pete, I really enjoyed speaking to you and I'm excited, you know, for every podcast, obviously, but uh, you're getting close to number 500. So, you know, you, you count on me there. No, oh, thank you. Thank you again. What's interesting, I think, about mastering the basics is that it can sound boring, but in a way, there's a real beauty in it. And I, I'm thinking about, well, I guess I'm thinking about Breaking Bad, in which Jesse had a shop class assignment to make a wood box. And that sounds like, okay, I made a box, we're done. But then how he just kept sort of making it smoother and smoother and, and, and finishing it with oils such that it, it smelled really great. And there, there's something beautiful in that mastery. And I hope that you can find the enjoyment within that because what's dangerous, and I've been guilty of it myself, and, I, and people I've managed to have done this with me, is sort of the opposite of wanting to master the basics is the seeking out of, of novelty in terms of, I'm kind of bored with the stuff that we're doing right now, so give me something new. I want to take on more responsibility. And, and so it's interesting because that, that's naturally kind of more fun in terms of if, if you're sort of bored with the, the same old, same old, but it's sort of not the inclination of the, of the manager, supervisor leadership when they're not yet sort of sufficiently impressed that you can nail the basics. And so that was some, some great career advice I got early on in terms of, of nailing the basics. Even if it's not as much fun, it turns into more fun because one, you can enjoy the, the mastery and the craftsmanship of it. And two, folks sort of notice, oh, wow, you know, this spreadsheet, you've taken the time to format it so that you can print it. Like, like that might really be helpful, for, for example. And so all, lots of those little things, I think Dean did a nice job of spotlighting them. And I hope that you can take a moment to identify, you know, what are some of those things that, oops, I overlooked, didn't think that really that mattered that much to people. But uh, thanks, Dean, for the reminder. I guess it does. I'll, I'll zero in on that. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F484. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe to catch our next guest. We're taking a break on uh, Monday 
for Labor Day. But then on Wednesday, we're hearing from Jonathan Levy, who's got some pro tips when it comes to super learning, speed reading, super memory, all those those juicy tidbits. So I hope to catch you then. But if you need another podcast to keep you company in the meantime, I recommend you check out The Productivityist from Mike Vardy. We had Mike a few episodes ago in episode number 473. And I recommend you check out his show. In particular, I'm digging the episode released June 26th, Five Days with John Polstra. We had John Polstra way back in the day on on this show talking about meetings. John, the polecat himself, Mike walks through time crafting individual days and themes with John in some real detail. That, that's a very useful way to, to get your arms around it in a deep dive format. If you wanted more from Mike about time crafting and, and day theme stuff from our episode, well, he brings it in some depth. Uh, he spends over an hour and it's uh, an hour well spent. So that is something you may wish to check out. And I look forward to catching you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.